24 that started from verse 13. Now that same day, two, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. <clears throat> he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? He asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerfully worthy before God and the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, this is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find um, went to tomb this morning uh, and didn't find anything, didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had kept uh, and seen a vision of angels who said it was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found him just as the minister, but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Not that Christ has to suffer these things to gain into his glory. At the beginning of Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. I don't think this walk to Emmaus would qualify as legitimate under the government's current restrictions. Firstly, this wasn't exercise. Rather, this pair were making a deliberate seven-mile journey to get away from Jerusalem. And secondly, they were almost certainly not a family. Unless Cleopas's companion was his wife, we don't know who the companion was. I don't think it's very likely it was. Anyway, they certainly weren't social distancing. We live in difficult and troubled times, don't we? The lockdown continues because of the virus and fears stalk our world. Never have we been so afraid of something that we cannot actually see. People's hopes and dreams for the first part of this year have been shattered as they've had to rethink 
how to live and cope in this new world. So what could this story in Luke chapter 24 possibly have to say to us this morning in our current situation? Well, can I offer you three headings which can encourage us this morning? Firstly, unfulfilled hopes. Secondly, fulfillment of prophecy. And thirdly, fullness of joy. So there's your roadmap for the next uh, 10, 12 minutes or so as we work through these three points. Well, let me deal with the first. Firstly, unfulfilled hopes. That's verses 13 to 24 of Luke chapter 24, if you've got it open in front of you. Now, I expect we can all relate to that, um, those two words, can't we? Unfulfilled hopes. Well, here in this chapter, we meet two fringe disciples of Jesus. Now, interestingly, they were not part of the, uh, the 12 or the 11. And these two disciples, one unnamed, they're on their way from uh, Jerusalem back to a village called Emmaus. We don't know where Emmaus is today, but it was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Why were they traveling? Probably they're going home. They're going home because they felt it was all over, to coin a football phrase. Their hopes and dreams had come to nothing. They'd been dashed. Their longing for a new leader, a Messiah, who would lead them to victory over the Romans. It had all come to nothing. Their hoped-for king had been executed as a common criminal on a cross. Look at how Cleopas describes him, uh, this Jesus, in verse 19 of chapter 24. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. All their hopes and dreams for the future had been in this charismatic preacher and healer. And now he's dead, just like many other would-be messiahs of, of the day. Perhaps you had big plans for this year until COVID-19 changed the world. Perhaps you had high hopes for our new prime minister or perhaps high hopes for life after Brexit. Or maybe for you, they were more personal. I must get to the gym more often. I must get that new job. We must buy that house this year. And then the virus struck, everything came to a halt, and your hopes and dreams came to nothing. Well, I think these two disciples are in a similar type of place. They spent two or three years with Jesus. He'd amazed and excited them. They'd had to start dreaming of revolution. He could lead us to victory over the Romans. And then the cross happened, and then it all came to nothing. And so here they are now, walking away from Jerusalem, away from all the action, despondent, deflated, and confused. Confused because earlier in the day, they'd heard a rumor that some women had visited the tomb, but the tomb was empty, and they claimed that Jesus was alive again. But that they thought was probably just empty talk. So, firstly, unfulfilled hopes. Secondly, fulfillment of prophecy. So, as they're walking, heads down, they didn't notice that a stranger had joined them on the road. What they didn't realize was that this stranger was Jesus himself. But 
For some way that we don't understand, he managed to keep himself from being recognized by them. He told them how foolish and slow they were to believe what the Old Testament prophets had spoken about him centuries earlier. And all those scriptures, these two travelers would have been very familiar with from their synagogues. They hadn't realized that so many of the Old Testament prophets were speaking about this stranger who is now walking with them. So starting with Moses, Jesus gives them an extensive Bible study teaching from the Old Testament, proving that he had to suffer. It was part of the great plan and that he had rise from the dead and enter the glory of heaven. Scholars who I've read think this teaching may have been up to two hours as they were on their journey uh, and before they finally arrived at one of the houses. They invited him to stay, even though they didn't still recognize him. I wonder if we see anything of ourselves in those words of Jesus. Are we too slow to believe and rather too quick to doubt like these disciples? Do we feel perhaps Jesus has let us down? That he's got it all wrong and we feel disappointed in him? Well, we should be searching our Bible for answers. But so often we let our moods and our feelings get in the way of what we should be doing. What about those great prophecies from the Old Testament concerning Jesus? Do we believe them? Do we know them? And do they strengthen our faith? They should and they can, but we need to study them first and believe in them. So firstly, unfulfilled hope. Secondly, fulfillment of prophecy. And now thirdly, fullness of joy. In this final part of the Luke narrative we had read earlier, we find the three at table at the end of the day, having a simple meal of bread and wine. And remarkably, the guest becomes the host. Because during this meal, Jesus takes bread, breaks it and hands it to them. And here is the great moment of revelation. A light comes on, as it were, when he breaks the bread. They suddenly realized who he was. And at that moment, he vanishes. Oh, he's been playing sort of tricks with them, games with them all the time. But it's been for a purpose, for a reason. I can imagine the conversation between these two as they pick themselves off the floor when they realized who they'd been talking to. If only we'd realized earlier. If only we'd known on the road. Think of all the questions we could have asked him. How foolish we were. And as he said, how slow we were to believe those, those prophets of old. If only. That's such a common beginning to a sentence, isn't it? I'm sure you've uttered many of those if onlys. If only I'd realised then what I realise now, I'd have done things differently. No, I understand, but why didn't I then? In terms of faith, I think this works on lots of different levels. If I'd known God back then, I wouldn't have made such a mess of my life now. If I believed then what I believe now, well, my life would have been different. If only, if only this, if only that. I think the important thing is not to dwell on the past, which we're very prone to do as human beings, but to take action in the present. And that's what these two disciples did here. 
they left the table, gathered their things and walked straight back to Jerusalem. No waiting till it was morning. No worry, they'd just walk seven miles. They had to let everybody know. And even if it meant another seven miles in the dark, it was worth it for the news they now had to share. And what a different mood they were in this time. Gone with the dashed hopes and dreams. Gone was the confusion and doubt. Now they had joy in their hearts and a message to tell the world. They arrive back and they find the other disciples. And in verse 35, Luke says, Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised them when he broke the bread. What a transformation. But isn't that what the good news of Jesus does? Doesn't it? It lifts us out of our self-centred lives. It gives us hope where previously there was despair. And it gives us meaning and purpose and a message to share with the world. So let me summarise those three points. Unfulfilled hopes become hope-filled faith. And it can be the same for us. Fulfilled prophecies about Jesus bring understanding, strengthened faith and trust in Jesus, that he was who he said he was. And it can be the same for us too. And fullness of joy is a wonderful response to the risen Christ when he sets our hearts on fire as he did on that road to Emmaus. Christian faith should, we know, make a tangible difference to our lives, not just our lives in general, but every day and every moment of our lives. So I pray that God will give us hopeful faith. He'll give us a renewed sense of trust in Jesus, that he was the promised Messiah, and that we will have that fullness of joy of which he speaks. And so can I lead us in a closing prayer? Let's pray. Dear Lord, give us light where there is darkness. Give us hope where there is despair. And give us love wherever there is a need. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.